Welcome back, everybody. It's Jack Graham and John Peterson for another We Talk Photo edition. Is this, what is this one? 103. 103, man. Time's flying. Making progress. Time's flying. So, you know, a few weeks ago, we did a, a podcast with Cole Thompson, who's been here a couple of times, and he's listening to this, and I'm not saying it because he's here. He's uh he's uh he is a photographer. I <laughs> he's am. one of my favorite <laughs> photographers. Um I, I, I get around. Anyhow, so it's good to have Cole back and, and the eminent John Barkley who works uh, does some workshops with Cole. But today you know, we started talking, I don't know if it was on the podcast. you know we have we have John Peterson and John Barkley here, so I'm I'm gonna call John Peterson, JP, for today. JP, did we bring music up in that podcast? I think it was before the podcast, Jack. Yeah. I think we were chatting. And we started talking about how music has a relationship to photography, yep. especially jazz music and, and kind of the photography that the uh, the four of us um, play around in. So we're going to record this podcast. It's going to go on um, YouTube on the we talk photo YouTube channel, which is new for those yeah. of you who don't know about it. So if you go to YouTube and type in "We Talk Photo," you'll be able to see this. And um, anyhow, so Cole, thank you for being here. John, thank you for being here. Um, the reason that that uh, that uh, John Barkley is a, is a good musician. He actually has one of his one of his prized guitars on a wall. I can see in the background. Right. Uh, I don't have anything on the wall because I'm moving <laughs> and I wouldn't put anything on my wall that has to do with music at this point anyhow. And uh, and so, John um, Peterson. Yes, sir. Where were we when we when we had to drop the ball on the other podcast when we were talking about music? Boy, I don't I don't quite remember. I think I think let's almost start back at the beginning and think about how the structure of music or the creation of music is it has a relationship to photography kind of so let's, question let's, let's let's go around the room here and uh and uh, and and talk about that Let, let's start with um john barkley mm-hmm. you know c does come before j if we were doing we this alphabetically yeah Yes, but true. no, no I, I'm more than willing to let John have the spotlight. Go ahead, John. Don't feel hey, bad. Hey, Cole, I, if you look, look at least the screen on my end here. They really like each other, you know. I'm at the top right. You're at the bottom right. That means you're last. No, you, on my screen, you're on the bottom. Yeah, yeah. but my screen yeah, is okay. the one that's – that my screen is like the one that's going to be shown in this video you know and just for the audience they listen to our banter and might come away with the impression we don't like each other and i want to clear that up right now it's absolutely not true we hate each other (laughs) (laughs) and we just jack and john we just spent why i keep doing this we did back to back workshops in death valley last month or like three months long Oh, it's like, it felt that way. Now, the, the good thing, was a real metaphor for yeah, the good thing was that my wife forced me to put in three days of downtime. And so Cole, at the end of the first workshop, says, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be three days without you. <laughs> Please. And then he each day, you want to go out and shoot? No, I don't want to be with you. You know that old phrase what? about a work wife and a work husband? I think that's yeah. your guys' relationship. Well, yeah. I think it'd be fun to spend three days with either of them. And yeah. he's grown his hair out long enough that he is the female in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a be girl. Careful. This yeah. is 2023. Yeah. Oh, that's careful. true. I'm going to be careful. Okay, so let's, you'll be called so let's, before, let's get back. Yeah, that's right. You'll be called before a House committee for saying the wrong thing. That's true. <laughs> so, so photography and music, you know, Jack, you and I have talked about this too. Um, a guy that immediately comes to my mind when I think about a, a good photographer and who's very much influenced by his music background is Tony Sweet. You know, April and jazz, right? So he's a jazz drummer, really good jazz drummer, used to teach 
And when he talks about being in that state of flow as a photographer, he says it's virtually indistinguishable, the difference between that and saying, you know, being uh, in a jazz ensemble and the guy says, take it. Or the leader turns to him and says, you know, this is you. And, and when I do a couple of my lectures, I like and I use actually music a lot because that was such a part. And it is still part of my life, but it was a bigger part when I was younger, when I was actually playing in groups. Um, but I played with a guy, Jimmy Fryer, who still plays at the Blue Note in New York City every Wednesday night playing traditional jazz, which is even more primitive than Dixieland, which is the band I was in with Jimmy. I was a tuba player. Jimmy was a phenomenal trombone player in high school. And and when I talk about it, I say, so was Jimmy thinking he's going to play those specific notes here? Not at all. He Even in high school, when, he, when the band leader would say, take it, he just started playing. And it came from right here. And to me, that's the difference with great photographers, with the... <laughs> present company, Cole excluded, um, <laughs> they they don't think about what's going on in the image creation process at all. It is very much coming from right here. And, and to me, that's where music and photography are very much alike, getting in so, that state so, of flow. Somewhere in the bowels of my blog over 15 years or so, there's an article called Know Your Axe. And of course, <laughs> axe is a jazz term for your instrument. Yep. And you've got to know where every button is and how the thing works, just like a saxophone or piano or trumpet, so that you can worry about being creative. And that's, that's sure. one of the things we, we ought to talk about. Cole, Cole how about you? What's, what, what's, your, what's your feeling about this? And I know we talked about it. Well, I don't play an instrument. I was actually a drummer early in my life, was in a rock oh, band at age 14, <laughs> a garage band. But I, I don't play music. But I do two things to get me into the creative mood. One of them is to read the day books of Edward Weston. Those just inspire me. The other is to listen to music. And as I listen to music, I am always amazed that, you know, John and I can listen to hundreds, if not thousands of songs in a car and I'm still amazed that they someone can come up with something completely new and unique. And then I think about applying that to photography. Why do I have to just keep shooting like Weston or Adams or Bullock or whomever? Or Why Barton. can't I think completely new and be very creative? And so anyway, listening to music just really gets me going, especially, I hate to say it, the Beatles. Because as I look at their, think of their first songs. I want to hold your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, after that first album, the record producers are saying, the company's saying, do the exact same thing on album number two. It's a good formula. You'll be a hit again. But they wanted to keep evolving. And as you look at how they evolved, I'm inspired by that. Yeah. And I think that should be with our photography as well. We shouldn't just keep being the same type of photographer. You bet. You bet. I, th I think one point I want to make for the viewers in a lot of this discussion that we've had over the years, actually, around this topic, a lot of it's been around jazz music more so than rock or classical. And I think that touches a little bit on what you said, John, which it, it comes from the heart. And, and to reference, if folks heard an earlier podcast, Jack, I think you talked about um, a study of classical musicians and jazz musicians. And, you know, where classical musicians are really focused on technical execution of each and every mm -hmm. single note, where jazz musicians, not so much. They play from the heart. They play from the inside. And where the technical execution isn't as important, but the emotive expression through their music is kind of the most important thing for them and that's that's more the correlation for me is the jazz music with photography and shooting from the heart and creating something from a, a given palette well uh, you know, can i add to that yeah. jack if i can the one genre that i would include with that would be blues Mm, yeah, so I'm a huge blues fan. I am a Stevie Ray Vaughan. I mean, to me, there's nobody who plays the guitar like Stevie Ray Vaughan does. And Stevie is playing right here, man. I mean, 
he knows his instrument inside out and backwards. But when I hear Stevie play to this day, I feel Stevie play, right? Mm -hmm. And as much as Al Demiola is a great technician of a guitar, it leaves me cold. I've tried to fall in love with Al Demiola's work, and I just don't the way I do. I have appreciation for his work and his, and his technical prowess, but it doesn't affect me like Stevie Ray Vaughan does. I just went to a concert last week of uh, Kingfish Ingram. I didn't know the guy's music. I was blown away. I'm on the front row, and I think that adds to the experience. But it was absolutely amazing to see that, you know, four, 24-year-old, 400-pound blues kid singing like unbelievable. He is Now, he slathers it all over his guitar. The same thing as Stevie. You feel every note that he's bending and playing. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think... I think there's a couple things. First of all, a lot of these players, um, a lot of these players play the way they do because of the way that they were brought up and how they lived. And, you know, I maintain that if you came, if you lived in Beverly Hills all your life and drove around in a, in a, in a, in a, a, a pricey car and had a, a really great life. A lot of times you, you don't have that, you know, you don't have that pent up feeling that these the jazz and blues guys did that a lot of times didn't come from very good backgrounds. Right. And they're speaking about their life when they yeah. play. And photographers really do the same thing. I don't think it has to do so much photography about how you grew up financially, but you know, um, a lot of these great photographers that a lot of people don't look at their work anymore because the prints don't, they're not metal prints and they don't look like, they don't sound like a, like a, like a recording made today when uh, uh, Louis Armstrong recordings that don't sound so good musically are as good as anything that's being played. Oh. You know, Absolutely. I don't think people look at Weston and I don't think they look at, uh, you know, Paul Strand. And I don't think they look at some of these old genius photographers who, who came up when photography was a lot tougher than it is now. Um, the golden age of photography, you know, the 30s, 40s, 50s. Technology has spoiled us terribly. Yep. And it was a lot tougher to learn how to be a good photographer. But not that long ago. Yeah. No. A lot of these musicians go through that, and I think that they speak to the art through the, through themselves, you know? Mm -hmm. um, the, the other thing that's interesting about what we do, especially when it relates to, to jazz or any kind of music that has, to do, has improvisation, um, bluegrass has improvisation. Oh, huge. Yeah, and and blues has improvisation and a lot of you know you're taking a a basic idea a subject meaning what we drive up and look at and study hopefully before we decide what we're going to do photographically and then you know we kind of improvise with our cameras and well, we, i don't think everyone does though and i that's you know, about that that's where that's the between the person and the jazz player the one is yeah. reading notes and playing precisely the other is right. ad libbing and yeah, boy correct. i think that's true in the field when you see some people work with as we see people on a photo tour who want to get every little thing technically right yeah and follow I, every rule yeah every rule every every technique every every everything and, and i think that what we do what good photographers like you guys and a lot of people we know what they do is that they improvise like like one of these musicians does with their art and you know it always doesn't have to be perfect but you know it it's it's saying what you want to say and, and perfect I'll, I'll add to that jack that that improvisation that interpretation of the scene is a little bit just like in music it's where more of the feeling comes through it's where more of the connection comes through 
and compellingness of a photograph. And, and it's that interpretation that I, I think is a special sauce for, for what makes so really so, great photographs. 100%. 100%. And so much so that, you know, if you want to see the same, you know, you, you want to see, uh, uh, I, I, pick, pick somebody. You, you want to see, uh, you know, Freddie Hubbard play five nights in a row. And he would play the same tune five nights in a row. It would be different every night. Yep. Yeah. And people go out with their cameras trying to imitate an image that, you know, other people have done a lot of times or something they've seen in a book. And if they go back a year later, they make the same damn photograph. And if they go back a year later, they make the same damn photograph. You know, Brooks Jensen talked, I don't know when, about being inquisitive. And I don't know if that's also true in music, but I know in photography, to be able to just play a little bit. Uh, I think about my trees from a train where I'm playing, shooting out of a moving train at trees that are very close to the car. And I start panning with the trees and I use a long exposure and pan and get this incredible swirling distortion. And I think sometimes people don't play. They don't try to go outside the rules. They don't shoot in the noon, noonday sun. They don't shoot into the sun. They don't do all of these things. And so they're, they're limited, you know, mm-hmm. of what they're supposed to do. Right. And you could shoot other than the golden hour? Oh, <laughs> I don't even know what a golden yeah, hour is. Right, but screwing up the last In time. black and white, what's the golden hour? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's between noon and noon. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Cole does. The only time Cole gets up before breakfast is when he's on a workshop with me. Yes. Other than that, he sleeps in. He, he has never done a sunrise nope. except nope. with Arizona. me ever. Wow. Hey, can we go back? And John, you had referenced kind of uh, Tony's description or Tony's comment around a, a flow state. Can you give our listeners a little bit more idea of what that is if they don't? Well, to to me, flow, and then athletes talk about it a lot, Uh, you know, highly trained, skilled athletes want to get to that place called flow. And I think a lot of photographers have felt that. And for me, flow is that place where I'm no longer almost present with regard to the where I am at that moment in time. I'm not thinking about what appointment I have today, tomorrow, or the next day. I am really fully present with my subject at that moment in time and even can't hear people talking to me because it's such a magical moment at that time. And it might be, might be magical because of the quality of light that's happening or the, or the atmospheric condition that's all of a sudden come in with fog wefting through. And I'm in this state of euphoria, but it, it's that flow. I'm in flow at that point where I'm not worried about anything else but that moment at that very time. And I'm, it's almost like I've got headphones on, but I don't. And I, I can't hear anything else but – and I'm not thinking either. That's another really important thing. I'm, I just uh, did a, a quick thing on Instagram that thought is the enemy of creation or creativity, right? Mm-hmm. And as soon as you get into that thinking about what the right f-stop is – how much do I need to do for depth of field? All that stuff, that's not flow. Flow, in my mind, is you've gone beyond all that. You have mastery of your gear so that you can just let that creative process happen in the state of flow. And it doesn't happen all the time, right? I'm yeah. I'm not in flow every time I go make photographs. But what I am trying to do in my personal life is get better at at being more present, it's hard with Cole because he talks the whole time. But um, but try to be in the state of flow, be a better listener, be a better human, be all that, so that I can be in that state of flow more frequently. Yeah. Personally, I have to photograph alone because I, I, you know, you want to be in that moment and you don't want any distractions, and that's why I rarely photograph with another person. I've got to be alone. To, yeah. to get into that state, I would agree with you too. I'm I'm much more. I have a better chance of getting to that place by myself than yeah. with others because I just, yeah. you know, even with others, you feel this social <clears throat> pressure and you feel like the need to, 
sort of be aware and cognizant of the other people that you're with and, and that not is, stay too long. Oops, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would, that I, would take one, I would take it one step further in that, you know, it, you know, at the end of the year, you always look back and say, well, what were my, you know, two or three best photographs of the year. And if you had, if you had three or four or five photo, really good photographs a year, I think you had a good year, you know, but I look back last year and, uh, you know, I picked out, I picked out four, I think I picked out four, four or five images. <clears throat> and two of them were on trips that I didn't even purposely go out to make a photograph. Yeah. You know, I went out to drive around and just see what's going on and just get out, you know? And so, I mean, I, I would take it even a bit further and, but that's different than a, a, a player in a band, isn't it? They're working in concert. Nice. With other people. I have to tell you, there are nights where, you know, I walk in and I walk into a, a, you know, a gig, and I say, "Well, man, I really want you know tonight. I'm going to nail it tonight, man. I'm going to, I'm going to." And it never happens. And yeah. what happens is those nights that, you know, um, you know, usually it's because maybe the rhythm sections really happening or the crowd is really receptive or there's something that makes, makes it just happen. And, you know, um, I went down to see, uh, I got tickets through, um, the, the ad agency that I sold some images to, um, that had to do with Pat Metheny back. Oh, nice. And I, I was, I, I, I got tickets and, and uh, and the availability to go see him play down in Austin City Limits. He's the only jazz player to ever play there. Wow! And uh, and 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 the band just wasn't on. I mean, I had seen this band play this this tour half a dozen times, and it just wasn't on. And and I was walking out, and Matheny was standing there. And I looked up at him, and he looked at me. We did. We don't know each other. And, and we smiled, and I looked, and I said. Wasn't happening tonight, was it? Because, <laughs> because man, it just wasn't happening tonight. <laughs> wow! And, and, you know, it's not every night like that, good. and not every trip is going to be successful. Yeah, yeah. but it's okay. You know, it's it's okay. I I want to circle back to what you said, Jack, because I think it's really important. So here's a slightly different story on the one you just told. My buddy Dan Sniffen, who unfortunately passed away a year ago. Uh, we 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 did forty tours. Somebody I, I don't even know the guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. But how did anybody get through life named Dan Sniffing? Yeah, well, he was sniffing everything. I mean, cocaine. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was really bad. We should probably edit that out. No, Dan Dan was a great great human being, and my dear friend. And it was interesting. Near the end of doing tours together. We showed up in in the Smoky Mountains, and he said, "John, you know, I'm just tired. I don't want to. I don't want to. I have no expectations. I don't have any. I don't have a shot list. I have nothing. And so, don't worry about me if I'm napping in the car. You know, I, it, I'm fine. I'm just tired. I'm getting old. I'm getting tired. And at the end of that week, he showed me ten images that he made that week. Best set of images I've ever seen." of his from the Smoky Mountains. So we went to the Palouse about a month later and he said, I'm going to try that again. <laughs> he says, I'm going to show up with no intentions. I'm just going to be open to whatever is going to happen. If I'm tired, I'm going to take a nap. Same thing. And wouldn't you know, in the 20 probably times he had been to the Palouse, he produced the best work. And so that got me thinking how important it is to show up in what I would call neutral, show up in that place of being open to being taken rather than all this expectation about what you think your images should look. Yes. And I think Jack is circling back to music now. It's the same thing, right? If you show up saying, I'm going to nail it tonight. I've been practicing this week. I got it dialed in. I know, you know, musically, I know how to do the triplets or whatever. But in photography, I know how to focus stack. I got that dialed in now. So I'm going to go out. And this week when I make images, they're going to be the best ever. And you go out overthinking it rather than showing up open to just whatever's moving you in the music analogy. Same and, 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 and continuing on that, you know, I mean, 
I mean, I have to tell you, you know, sometimes you never know when you get on a you get on a on a, on a shoot or get on a, a musical job. You know, maybe there's a piano player that's sitting in that's, that's really not that good. Yeah. Or maybe the light you thought was going to happen because you're over prepared, which is another <laughs> mine, um, doesn't happen. I mean, how many times is it ever the way you think it's going to be? Rarely. Yeah, or you're, you're you're playing in a place that you know it's it's just the room sounds bad, or, or yeah. the crowd's not you know just so many there's so many variables that as photographers we have to be just like musicians and adapt. Yeah, I mean it goes right. back. I I just finished an article a couple of months ago about just being reactive and being open, because being open is much more important to reading and responding to your environment, and so all of my preparation is not about shots. It's about preparing my head to be open and responsive to the stimulus that comes in when I get on location. Amen. Yeah. yeah John mentioned uh, thinking was the enemy of creativity. Yeah. I think expectations are. Oh, when okay. you go to a location with expectations, they're bound, as Jack said, not to be what you expected. And so oftentimes we go, oh, crap, I didn't get it. Yeah. But then the question is, what do you do next? That's the real question. Yeah. Do you look to what is being presented? Because if the light wasn't right for that shot you imagined, it's opening up a door for a different shot you didn't imagine. Yeah, Sarah Marino just had a great little quick post about being in some location, and she shows the photograph, and it's sublime. I mean, it's just beautiful, you know, typical Sarah Marino greatness. But she was in a place where she could overhear an instructor with a workshop group. And I, I think I have this right. But essentially, she was overhearing the instructor say something to the effect of, well, folks, I think we should go because, you know, the light's not what we were hoping for to get this particular shot. And so they all packed up and went. And, you know, they're all following behind that leader who is saying, this is the shot we came to get and it's not happening yet. You look at Sarah's shot that happened in that same identical moment, and it's sublime, wow. right? And that's what you're talking about, Cole, right? Being open wow. to saying, what is here? That's what irritates me about Zabriskie Point. As soon as the light comes up on Manly Beacon and everybody gets the shot, the parking lot went from 150 <laughs> people to zero because I've got my shot. I, I, it just drives me crazy. No, probably yeah, but, from 1,500 people to 150 people these days. Yeah, that's these days. Yeah, but but Cole, I I have the best iteration of Manly Beacon. But you know why? Because I shot it in infrared. Nobody's ever done that before. Mine's unique and different. So, well, you're unique stop, and different. So good. Stop, stop picking on me about my Manly Beacon shot that I shoot the same every single year. I moved over three feet this year from where I normally hey, stand. Wow. I don't even think we should be discussing anything called Manly Beacon. Let's move on. <laughs> That's true. That's <laughs> probably know, illegal, too. Awesome. I want to I wanna read you something, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit about this. I, and I'll edit out some of the words because people might know what's going on here. So on January 24th, 1975, memorable memorable night for the 1,300 people that witnessed a, an American jazz pianist named Keith Jarrett to perform a solo recital in Cologne's Opera House. Uh, and it was recorded, and it's become a classic. Um, a young German student part-time promoter called Vera Brandes, an avid jazz fan who was 17 and responsible for organizing the concerts, at Jarrett's request arranged for a Boisendorfer 290 Imperial Concert Grand Piano to be provided for the show. Unfortunately, the Opera House staff wheeled out the wrong piano to a smaller Boisendorfer. To make matters worse, it was a piano used for opera rehearsals and was in abject condition and badly out of tune. So much so that Jared never played um, the lower third of the keyboard. It was so bad. That recording that was made that night was something called the, the, the Colon Concert or Cologne, K-O-L-N in German is Cologne. And that record to date has sold over four million copies. 
<laughs> and Jared, the genius that he is, adapted. Yeah. He adapted to the situation and made it happen. I have no idea that story. You, that you, heard this. you wouldn't know it. Right. That may he, have been the catalyst for the performance. I mean, would it have been as good if he had the proper piano in proper? Yeah, it would have been. It would have been good. But would have been good. Enough. Enough. It would have been that much better. It, it would have been. Well, it, it would have been, been different for sure. Been different. But yeah. but the point is, is that you know we have to adapt to um, uh, you know everything. And yeah. I think there's a better, a, a greater lesson than just adapting. There, I see photographers who are shooting only with primes at only optimal apertures. Now we've got a discussion John and I are going to have, not shooting at third or half f-stops because there is a theory that uh, the ISO at a third and a half is not as good. And they're, they're looking at all of these incredibly small, absolutely imperceptible things, yeah. thinking it will make an average image great. Just as someone could have argued that his performance couldn't have been great with an out-of-tune old piano. Yeah. We focus on the wrong things. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we really do. Mm -hmm. Correct. But, Correct. but you know, the question I have is, why do we do that? As human beings, we have this insatiable desire to talk about gear. Do you have a thought, John? I do. I, I My theory, because I've thought about that very question, John, is it's so much easier to talk about settings and gear it's scientific, it's, it's fact-based, it's empirical. When we start yeah. talking about feeling and emotion, a lot of people, and unfortunately a lot of men, have a problem talking about feeling and coming from the heart. Yeah. And those are hard concepts to teach. Yeah. They're hard concepts to reach a wide audience. And so yeah. we stick to the things that are fact-based and empirical because they sell cameras or things to talk about across multi-experienced, multi-generational, multi-racial people. They span yeah. everything. And so yeah, you're right. that's And I offer a stuck. slight twist on that because yeah, yeah. I agree with it. But my own experiences was not just was it easier to talk about, but when you don't think that you are creative or have the capacity to be creative, you think, well, I'll have to make up for it in the technical. My images may not be as creative as John Barclay's, but they'll be sharper because I'll be using a prime lens at f11. And I actually believed that, yeah. that I could compensate for my lack of creative ability by excelling in the technical. That, that, was, that was me for 35 yeah. years. Yeah. It's gotten so but bad right. for me that I don't, I don't, I go out of my way to not talk about technical things because yeah. I want to talk about creative things. I want to talk about feelings, stuff from the yeah. heart, because that's yeah. where art is, in my opinion. Whether John, I've been trying to get Cole to talk about feelings too, <laughs> and he stinks at it. I'm like, he's playing that about? song "Feelings" on the radio, thinking that's somehow going to get me to open up. That, that song is one of the three worst. Tunes. Oh come on! Then. Ever written? You want to know the other two? Yeah, having my baby, having my baby. You're Rain a woman keep in love. Falling on my head. What's the name of that tune? Raindrops keep falling on my head. Falling on my head. What's Cassidy? That's yeah, that's, that's, that's Burt isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. You think and, that's a terrible song? No, it's horrible. <laughs> okay, what's the third? It better not be a Beatles. And the other one is. Um, a tune called Joy to the World. I love that song, but Three Dog Jeremiah Night. Jeremiah was a book. I couldn't tell you who did it. I just know it's Three Dog Night. I love that song. Oh, my gosh, Jack. Okay, I'm hanging up. Okay. It's <laughs> let, me, hey. let me ask you guys another question. So we've, we've sort of equated music and photography and kind of talked about feeling from the heart. Does that same sort of um, symbiosis or, or, or sim, uh similarity sorry i can't find my s words today um exists with other art forms and photography is absolutely it, is it i've talked to painters who agree with music the relationship between painting and music okay i'm listening to a really good podcast right now that somebody just sent we me talk photo it, it, it's uh yeah it's um what is her name hirschfield the poet hirschfield hmm. and and it's really fascinating podcast because she talks about her process 
And I just wrote to the person, I'm only like halfway through it, but I had to stop and write to my friend who is a photographer and say, this is so affirming because her process as a poet is the same thing. She says, there's no way I can be thinking about my calendar, what's on TV, reading email and write poetry. It can't happen. You know, she has to be in that place where she can receive the words, and that's her language, receive the words that are going to be presented to her. And so I always tell people, if you're going out to photograph, never check your mail. Yeah. I mean, anything that comes in a mailbox anymore, it's usually, unless they're records, which I get a lot of, you know, <laughs> round 12-inch yeah. round things. Um, Usually it's not good news. It's no. usually bills or something not good. And you know, if, if you're in the, if you're in that frame of mind, you're going to have an issue. Yep. Yeah. You it's know? hard. I, I just think that when people, and, and I, I'm not, I'm going to leave photo workshops out of this because this is a total. They're a different animal. I mean, that's a, that's yep. a animal. But when when people are go out to you know, with with a camera in their car, <laughs> whether they take it out or not, that's up to them. But again, preconceived notions will kill you, and 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 and, and just not being in the pressure of having to make a good photograph will kill you. And so yeah. many, there's so many variables. I mean, but and and it's, it's the same in music. I mean, you know, I have to tell you that. Some of the some of the best nights I've I had were nights that I thought weren't going to be that great, and they turned out to be yep. turned out to be wonderful. You know, John, you you play the guitar. Other than that, do you play piano or anything? No, the the only instruments I would say that I play with any accomplished you know ability would be trumpet. I played for eight years, and then they needed a baritone horn player. So I played that very short couple of years in junior high school. And then I played tuba, became my passion, and again, played in the Dixieland band professionally. You know who Harvey Phillips was? I know the name, but I'm not. Harvey like... Phillips was a tuba professor at Indiana when I was there. He's the one who started that tuba thing. On oh, the band? The big, yeah. yeah. That's and what I love. Play, you know, I used to play in, in, with a Dixieland band out at his ranch in Bloomington. And, and Dixie is a lot of fun to play. I, I yeah, miss those days. It's all it good. good but I you mean, know, back in the day. Even the Beatles have some redeeming qualities. And, you know, I, I again, you know, I'm the worst person to talk to about music because I have really um, very narrow uh, ideas about what I like and what I don't like. But I think it's really important that people um, appreciate some kind of music, I, and I don't really care what it is. It could be it could be heavy metal, or it could be ambient music, which I know a few people who listen to. You know, I don't know how you appreciate that, but you know, it, it's important to appreciate that. And I think as photographers, here's another idea. I, I think it's important to to to, to listen to be open to some other kinds of art, whether it's music or writing mm -hmm. or something, because it'll, you'll see the parallels. Oh, and, you will. You will. I, th I, th I want to go back to what Cole said around pre um, preparation, how you listen to music. And that's one of the things that I do as well. It's, it's because music can really affect our moods and the, the, the energy that's within us and even the chemicals that are within us based upon pleasure or, um, you know, just our moods releases chemicals. And so I use music as a tool to relax, energize, focus, distract, whatever it may be, um, to clear my head in order to take photographs or even process. I mean, I have I music, I have music on all day long. I can't process with music on. Really? I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. It, I just can't do those two things at the same time. Isn't that odd? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. I, I I actually have certain certain pieces of music and certain recordings that I listen to when I'm in certain areas of the country. Hmm. You know, when I'm in the Eastern Sierra, I have a I have a certain. No, I listened to a, a Matheny record as I drove drive down that 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 S curve coming into Levining. Oh from yeah, the north. from Conway Summit. Yeah, I've got I'm, I. 
I don't think I could do it anymore. And I got into the, I've gotten to the point where I could do that trip from the top to the bottom without using my brakes. It was pretty good. <laughs> but I, I, I'd have a Bethany thing from a, a record called Secret Story on it. I, I to love it. that. I open the, open the windows and fly down that hill and smell that sage. And man, it's just, it's just. Well, you should probably stop listening to death metal. I think then your images <laughs> would not be so dark. It's so dark. And by the but way, you know, you know, you should open up your shadows a little bit because they're it's a, little a dark. it's a funny thing. You can you can listen to some a lot of composers wrote the way they were. You, you read read Mahler's biography and then listen to his music. Yeah, dark. You know, I've had several people write me. He got angry. I had several people write yeah. me and ask me if I was dark and depressed, had a dark and depressed personality because I have dark images. I thought that was interesting. I don't. That's interesting. But one of the greatest photographers, Ansel Adams, was a a pretty decent pianist. A great pianist. And, you know, and people look at his black and white work and they think he's this stoic old curmudgeon on top of a car with the 8 by 10 he was a nutcase. He was a he was a party. He's the life of the party. Yeah. He's the life of the party. Yeah. And you know, I mean, these are perceived things that same thing with um musicians and, and other artists, you know. It's, well, it's, well Jack, you began the program talking about sometimes the jazz or blues players had these hard lives. And I think when I was growing up, I always was taught that great artists had to struggle and had to have hardship. And I'm not sure I believe that. Yeah. No, I don't believe that either. I think they struggle because that's life. That's life an artist is not easy. Life is not easy, period. Yeah, I mean, but you know, if you're if you're an artist, I mean, it's just, it's just, you know, yeah, that's tough. Rick Rubin's got a good book out that you ought to read too. I mean, if you know who Rick Rubin is, you know he's. He's behind so many great musicians, and it's really not a book about. I was kind of hoping it'd be a book about music, you know, because I, I love music so much. But it's not. It's a book about how to be, and how to live a life that you can be more creative. It's it's kind of interesting, actually. I've underlined. Well, I'll tell you what I would recommend people reading in in that vein is some of Guy Tao's work. Oh my gosh, absolutely! Yeah. Because because Guy hits that on the on the on the head, and maybe we ought to do this again. And get Guy on. And oh, he's brilliant. Other people, because Guy is, um, you know, um, people. I've had a lot of people ask me because I'm 110 years old. They ask me, you know, what 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 are the five most memorable things that you remember from your photographic career? And probably three of them have nothing to do with photography. Guy and I used to sit up in in Murphy's Motel in uh, in Lee Vining to like one, two in the morning sometimes talking about music and other things that had nothing to do with photography. And man, I'm talking to Guy Tal and this is like, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I mean, I'm like a, I'm like a P rolling down an eight lane highway compared to Guy and, and what a, what an experience, but he really has nailed, you know, the creative life in some of his writings, really nailed it. Uh, really well. Really explains it really, really well, you know. Um, so I, I think, John, we'll think about doing that. Maybe we'll get... I think get, we uh, could. I think we could. That's uh, Maybe we can get Tony on. I I, I owe Tony a phone call. Well, we'll keep this going. Because, I mean, I think a lot of what we're talking about is just that it's 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 how to tap into your own personal creativity number one um you know musicians do it photographers do it other artists do it how to get into that flow state by removing distractions and whatever else preparation and and i think it's i think it's a great subject that i want to keep talking about with folks because that it's it's full of such great energy to throw out into the world that that i want to keep doing it so yeah, I, I I hear you, John. I don't think it's that complicated. No, well, it it is for some because we have so much. Um, I, I think we have a lot of societal baggage on us that means that we can't tap into our feelings and emotions and be okay sharing that. And so people aren't practiced with how to get to that place where 
I'm shooting from the heart. I think it has to do, and don't take this the wrong way, but I think it has to do with age and being around a little bit. And the older I get, the grumpier you get. It is for me to get to, to even attempt to get creative because, frankly, frankly, I don't give a damn. <laughs> Charlotte, I really, you know, so I don't give a damn. Yeah. I, I could care less. I, you know, I could care less if anybody likes anything I do anymore. I don't care. I One mean, of the few advantages of age. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, I just think you get to a point where, you know, I mean, I mean, it's not over by any means. I still am all excited about the well, future. I, I look at that too, Jack. Though, as a as a way as a form of self confidence where you're really secure and confident in what you do and you do it for yourself and yourself alone, that you don't need any other validation. I'm secure that if my cameras uh, got run over by a, uh, a truck today and I couldn't afford to buy another camera, that I'd still be okay. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's still, I, mean, I still love what I do, but I mean, again, it's maybe it's age. I don't know. Um, yeah. Wisdom. How about that? That's why I hang around with Cole for his wisdom. Yeah. Not, not as silky smooth hair. Well, I'll no. tell you He's what. Facetious, believe me, if he says he that. won't let me touch his hair. My my mom told me when I was very young, back you know we had a potbelly stove in an outhouse. You know, I'm only kidding. Um, but she told me she says always hang around people who are better than you are. And I have too much trouble finding out. <laughs> That's but, why Cole hangs around me. It makes him feel smarter. But, you know, I mean, what an honor. And if John and I talk about this all the time, to have the people, the roster of people that we've had on this podcast. Yeah. For me to know you guys and Guy and, you know, and a lot of the a lot of the masters, hell, you know, the Galens and the Shaws and the... the, the uh. I mean, you know, I grew up learning from these guys, and now those of them who are still alive, they're all my friends. I mean, I, yeah. how cool is that? So yeah, cool. very. Hang around with creative people. You know, hey, um, I've got a couple of clients who are just unbelievable woodworkers. I mean, what they build, I, mean, I can't, I can't spell wood. <laughs> yeah. And well, what they is incredible. I mean, you know, Jack, just... Jack, to your point, I think this is probably the last point before we should uh, wrap it up. But I, but hanging out with other creative people, pursuing a creative thing, is such a life enriching experience. I think, and you know, this is not about you know successful life, and this journey is not about what you have and what you've done necessarily. It's the memories, it's the feelings, it's the experiences. I think. Um, and so hanging out with creatives just really enriches your life. Let me tell you, at the end of your career, end of your life, if you can count a handful of really good friends and a whole lot of really good acquaintances that you, you, you've lived and learned from, you had a great life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good memories. Good and memories. All right, folks, so on that somber note... Um, John, you know what? Cole. I think we're going to pick this up again. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting thing, and um, and and uh, and uh, and do it again. So, I know we have a, a few, a couple seconds here. What are you guys up to? Where are you leaving again for another? Yeah, I I leave for Namibia tomorrow on a trip that's been canceled three times. But the next thing that Cole and I are doing is we're heading back to the Faroe Islands in July, right? And then we'll be doing Death Valley again next year. As a matter of fact, that's posted. And I think there's only one spot left at this point. And I keep bringing up, let's do the Easter Island, because I figure if I keep talking about it, I'll finally get John to commit to it. Yeah, we were really close to doing that. And then and Cole and I also have, uh, and I'm, I see that we influence you guys to steal our idea of having a YouTube channel. Stealing our idea. That's how I like to All right. put it. Actually, yeah, we, got a lot of, we had a lot of people who said, well, you know, you guys better get with the 20. We used to do this on Skype, so we made a big jump from Skype to wow. YouTube. Skype to come into the Skype 20, to Zoom, and then Zoom the 21st to YouTube. century. And now so we've, got- we've got this YouTube channel. And I'll tell you what, if, if anybody's out there that wants to listen to jazz, I don't normally talk about this here. Or listen to some ideas from jazz, especially jazz vinyl. 
and Jack's records. If you go to YouTube and type in straight talk with Jack, I do I don't talk about photography at all on there. It's all nice. about jazz. Well, if you want to hear incredibly insightful wisdom about photography, go see the Cole and John show. All right. All right. I'll subscribe. The Barkley and Thompson show. No, no. he's such a baby. Don't, don't. Be Cole and John. Okay, trivia for everybody. The Tonight Show theme. Who wrote it? No idea. Uh, no idea. Uh, Manfred Paul Man. Anka. No. Paul who? Paul Anka. No. Did he really? Yes. And the rumor was he was paid $500 every time they played it. You know what else he wrote? She's having my baby. Yeah. Well, you know what? I could tell you Paul Anka stories because I was on that. Yeah, no. I don't think we have time for those, Jack. Yeah. Uh, He's got to go. Hey, thanks for having us. Uh, Let's see. So how do we end this, John? It's been a week. Um, we talk photo at, at gmail.com for comments, questions, um, um, you know, whatever. And um, what else? John's going to put up some show notes. I don't know. Yep. Yep. I'll put up some of that. And that's really about and it. And then, you of course, the, the YouTube drill. channel. John, what's the YouTube channel? It's just We uh, Talk we talk photo. photo. Is it one word or three words? I don't even remember, Jack. You guys sound as technical savvy as we yeah. Well, we want, we're so technical oriented, you know, we don't, you know. I'll put a link <laughs> in the show notes. Visit our webpage. You'll have a link to our YouTube channel you or search three words, We Talk Photo, and, and our channel will come up on YouTube. There you go. Yep. All right, everybody. Well, thank you, Cole. You're the best. Thank you. John, you're the best. Thank you so much for being here. And um, I'll be in Tennessee three weeks from tonight. Yeah. So. All right. Good luck. We're out of here. Bye, John. Okay, Bye, guys. Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.